my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Feltz, my co-host and very good friend, this is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, what are we going to look at this week? Well, Dave, we are going back to the year 2000, when we were young, we whippersnappers, well, I don't know if we were whippersnappers, <laughs> but we were in our 20s, early 20s, and this is a sort of coming-of-age movie, and I'd never, ever heard of this one, Dave, and this is a Patreon pick again, isn't it, Dave? Yep. This is, uh, is it Dylan? I think Dylan's picked this one. Um, this is Almost Famous, Dave, so have you seen this before? Yeah, I remember this one in the video shop, uh, and I can't believe you didn't recognise Kate Hudson on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I really enjoyed this one at the time. I don't know what I thought the movie was going to be about, but, um, you know, with it being all about band life and everything, I just thought it was it was really interesting. And as I imagine yourself, Chris, have a bit of a soft spot for the old 70s rock music as well so just everything about this movie I I really quite enjoyed back in the day but it's one of those that I remember enjoying it but I've never gone back to watch it again so it it was interesting just to go back and see that it that it really stand up I mean is that it you just you just never ever heard of this one no you know what Dave it's funny because I'd never correlated what this movie was uh, but like Tiny Dancer by Elton John, I, I've read loads of things and I've seen like YouTube comments about because I love that song, Elton John. It's a cracking tune. And I remember when we went to see the Elton John biography, you know, when Taron Edgerton played him, and, it, mm. and like going like, like you do, you come out of it like the Queen biography straight away. It's like right, what other stuff have I not got on my Spotify list and stuff? So I remember downloading, and then I went on like YouTube, and everyone's like, this song, uh, Almost Famous, brought me here. You know, like it's this Elton doing Tiny Dancer, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell's Almost Famous? And I remember someone saying the bus scene, and I've never seen. I was like, I don't, I haven't got a clue. But then when we watched, when I watched this, I was like. Oh, right. That's what they were all talking about. You know, so I, I, I do think you're right. The, the VHS cover, I do remember, but I didn't realize it was uh, Kay Hudson. And obviously, I'm a massive fan of Goldie Horn. A little bit worrying, Dave, because I would have been 22 and she would have been 16 or so when this came out. And there's plenty to talk about <laughs> that and the age stuff oh, going yeah. on. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I just, I never really understood what this was about. I didn't know anything about it. So going into it, this was a completely fresh watch for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a, a Nostradamus-like prediction here, Chris, that we are going to be talking a little bit about something that sounds like Timmy Gravel. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a fair bit in that. And I, I tell you what is interesting, again, this was this was uh, sort of made, it was released in 2000, but it's obviously set in 1973, and there's a fair bit of that I don't know watching it back then, even, I mean, all right, it's 21 years ago now, or 22 years, in fact, so I guess that should be considered a long time, but it doesn't really feel like that long a time. It's still recent memory for me. Yeah. But there's all kinds of wrong in it as well, so uh, I'm sure we'll get into that as we go on. Definitely right, Dave. So shall we get into our trailer? Let's go. This is the music editor at Rolling Stone magazine. This is William Miller. Yes, it is. I think you should be writing for us. From Cameron Crowe, writer-director of Jerry Maguire. If you're going to be a true journalist, you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Just make us look cool. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're going to fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're going to meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. Just blowjobs, and that's it. Amen. On the road with the band. Your mom called. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. 
spirits run high. There's acid in the beer that's in the red cups. How do you know when it's kicked in? I am a golden god! Runs wild. Let's deflower the kid. We need this story in four days. Your time has come. And there's more to write home about. Can you speak with William, please? Is this Marianne with the pot? Then the music. What do you love about music to begin with? Everything. It's so easy to slip. It's so easy. We're gonna die. If something should happen. Maybe I never said this enough. I love all of you. Don't you have any regular friends? Famous people are just more interesting. In San Diego, 1969, child prodigy William struggles to fit in. His life is further complicated after learning that his widowed college professor mother, Elaine, has falsely led him to believe he's 13 years old. William is actually 11, having started the first grade at five years old and skipping the fifth grade. Strong-willed Elaine's strict ban on rock music and her fear of pop culture having a negative effect on her children, she finally drives William's 18-year-old sister, Anita, to move to San Francisco to become a flight attendant. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? You know what, Dave? It surprised me uh, completely. As I say, didn't, I didn't even have a clue as the credits were rolling what this was about because I didn't read anything. I just came into it. I didn't know what, what it was, whether it was some take on a reality show, you know, like a, an X Factor thing, almost famous. Is it? Is it some, like, parody comedy thing and i love the the setting of like late 60s going into the 70s the the era i love all that the music everything i think what's good is he's like his mum is she reminds me of someone in my family Dave, so much just completely paranoid about everything <laughs> you know like you're not allowed to move or anything like that like um yeah somebody in my family had a dog's dinner with we're having a parent like that so really interesting i do think that to get it just right i think i think even though it's from 2000, watching it now again, and I know we talked about this when we did Straight Story as well, it doesn't feel like it's a 22-year-old movie because it's set in the 70s, the mm. way it's shot. You can pick this up now and you will not go, oh, that's aged badly. I know it's only 22 years and we'll look at stuff in the 80s and go, oh, my God, that is terrible. But this doesn't, it's telling, it's telling a sort of semi-biopic of Cameron Crowe, isn't it, really? The creator of the movie. and. Yeah. and Honestly, I, I was really, really impressed with it. And I made the mistake, David, and I think you did the same. I ended up watching the extended edition, which is two hours 40. And I'm, at first I was like, oh, my God, fuck my life. I'm, I'm slating you. Like, going, I'm not, this is terrible at two hours 40. But it wasn't, it was, actually, I don't know what the original cut was, but I really got into this at two hours 40. It just seemed to flow. It didn't drag on or anything for me. It's a bit different, isn't it, from... Almost any other movie. I guess, I guess, you know, with the straight story, that was really different for us last week. But I think this is as well. I don't think we've done another kind of, like you say, it's almost a, what they call it, semi-autobiography or semi... Tell me something. <laughs> I've not got a semi on day, but anyway, you know, there, was, there was plenty of those going around the bus. Fucking um, I'm right, there was. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so I must admit, when this starts up, I've completely forgotten it. I couldn't even remember what the fuck this was about, other than Kate Hudson was in it. <laughs> I didn't even remember, you know, some of the other people who were in it. So you've got. Um, You've got Billy Kudrup in there. You've got, um, I mean, Frances McDormand, she's a, a kind of staple, isn't she? she pl- I think she plays a really good kind of role. She's obviously trying to do the best for her kids. And, you know, she's pushing William. And it, <laughs> i tell you what made me laugh when you've got him. He's clearly, he, he thinks he's really underdeveloped, yeah. doesn't he? So you've got all the kids in the bathroom like combing their little teenage fucking bum fluff tash. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me laugh. Um, but the whole thing with, like, you know, driving his sister away because she's embraced this whole rock and roll music and then, you know, just she hands over, like, her LP collection 
And the thing is, I'm I'm pretty much digital now. I don't own a CD anymore. Fought that kicking and screaming, but you know, it's just a space saver. So you know, it just it just is what it is. But it just took me back to having actual LPs to go through, and just that experience of you know getting. I used to get my dad's collection out and then just you know leaf through like the the albums. And then you take. You know, the whole process of taking the LP out and putting it on, that that record scratch, that warm sound it gives. I just I, I just was immersed into this world. And the thing is, this is both before we were born. But, you know, it, it, if you look at how much the world is different right now, sort of talked about this a little bit with Stand By Me as well, it just didn't seem quite that long ago. And uh, I, I just loved kind of being in that world. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, seeing where it was going because, like I say, I pretty much forgot what the actual plot of the, st- plot of the movie was. It's a good point because I think as, like, uh, you know, Billy or William, he, he gets this, he's got this thing for rock, he wants to write, he's, he's blagged, he basically blagged himself and he's blagged his way into to this thing if total respect, Dave, you know me, I don't mind a bit of a blag if you can fake it till you make it, do it. We've got an elephant in the room. You you were joking before. It, there's some really tough stuff to watch. Now, when it comes to young girls, now they've, they, they, you know, Stillwater have got this group of, of girls, Dave, questionable passport ages, without a doubt. Well, Penny Lane, so Kate Hudson's character, she goes into a little bit of a back and forth with William at one point, doesn't she? She's like, how old are you? 18. Yep. Yeah, me too. How old are you really? 17. And then it keeps going down, and then she stops at 16, and Patrick's... Uh, sorry, Patrick Voigt, so William, he's like, no, I'm 15. So he's 15, she's 16, but she's been touring with the band for a yeah. year. Yeah, and, and, and these all little little drops of, of things like that. Like, you know, the band get an absolute fucking lob on because you see a load of schoolgirls running on, like, on the road yeah. and, and yeah, these comments yeah. about, like, how old are they and stuff like that. And it's really, like... I mean, I, I think even then it would have been bad. But, you know, that, well, any time it is bad, isn't it? You know, like... It, it's, well, I, so, so is it? Uh, no, let me rephrase that, because it is. But this movie was made in 2000... Right, and I don't think it's played up that it is bad. So I know it's set in '73, and you know, again, we we sort of look at look back at these rock stars, and sometimes you just can't compare it to you know modern morals and all that sort of shit. But the fact that it's made in 2000 and it's just it's not made a big deal of at all. It just is what it is. I, I just. I think was, again, was it so fucking much of a blind spot for all of us, even in 2000? How fucking wrong it is. Yeah, well, no, you're right, because, like, I, I, I think I've said this to you before, maybe even said it's on the podcast, but loving, like, growing up watching Minder and the Sweeney, like, you know, with me dad, and I'd sit there and watch it, because obviously Sweeney, first time round, like you just said, we weren't old enough, it was a sneeze TV show finished probably when I was like one or two, maybe late 70s or something. But I remember there's a specific episode with uh, Dennis Waterman's character, George, and he's in the car and they always had a driver called George and he always drove like the Granada or the Cortina. And I never forget this one day. Even when I was a kid, I was like, holy shit, that's bad. So so I'm going back to and say 16, so maybe tw- nearly 30 years. And, and he's a scene. He goes past his school and he sees two schoolgirls. And Dennis Fulton goes, and he's a copper at this day. He's a policeman. He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck it. Don't have to do it for me, a girl in a school uniform. And I'm like, fuck me. And I never forget watching my dad, even my dad going, oh, that's fucking a bit close to the bone. And I'm like, <laughs> close to the bone. He's fucking raging fucking pedo. But this is a copper yeah. saying it in a, in a, like a daytime drama sort of thing or an evening drama, whatever the Sweeney was. But it, that, like you say, the blind side to it, that sort of, because. It, even like you get the, 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 the fantasy, like, you know, you see my going, oh, yeah, I got dressed up as a schoolgirl, you know, and it's like, when you think about that, take a step back, you think, 
that's actually fucking wrong. <laughs> you know, like you get the St. Trinian's things and all that day, like when we were kids. Like you, it, it was a staple at fam, uh, um, fancy dress parties, wasn't it? Like you get some girl dressed as a school girl or something. <laughs> but when you really. But I think, I think if you're all of the same age, that is fine. You know, if you're doing a bit of fancy dress or whatever. When it's wrong is when you've got these fucking 30-year-old blokes or whatever they're supposed to be, you know, creaming themselves over fucking schoolgirls doing a bit of cross-country. And like I say, Penny Lane, she's clearly, uh, when the, she's following the band around, she's clearly supposed to be 15. And, and I'm guessing you've got Anna Paquin there as well. She, she's probably 15 when she starts out as well. So... <laughs> it's just all kinds of wrong. And again, I, I, I don't want to labour on it too much, but it, what is boggling my mind is that this was made in 2000. There was no kind of moral comeback at all. There's some other bits. I mean, if we stick on the fucking wrong of it, I mean, what about... I, I mean, will it... Right, this is a conflicted wrong, because if this was me, I'd be fucking... Uh, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You know what I'm saying. Right. But technically, Chris, I am object. I object to it, and it is wrong. But like, fucking William gets pounced on by these girls who are like, let's deflower the kid, you know. And he, like, say he's fifteen, he's got these three girls, and they all fucking leap on him. Now, it's not equal, is it? No, <laughs> no. I I wouldn't struggle. Uh, I I wouldn't object. I don't think, Chris, myself. But uh, but that's also wrong. But not getting back on track to what feels fucking very wrong as well is um, later on. I mean, jumping around a little bit, but later on, uh, Penny overdoses, doesn't she? Yes. She's passed out fucking, you know, completely away with the fairies kind of thing. Decides to have a little kiss, does our William. <laughs> Where's the fucking consent, you bellend? <laughs> but he's our protagonist. And this was 2000. So again, that's that's what I'm... I, I, again, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. The, the thing is, I've watched this movie, and there's all there's lots of little things that happen in this story that, that kind of have lived with me after watching it. You know, you, you know, when you ponder things sort of days after and what have you, um, and it's things like that as well. So, you know, it, it brought me in, but I'm not sure a hundred percent for the right reasons. Yeah. Cause you know, you know what we're both like, they'll let you say the old fucking Jimmy Savile stuff. And there is a documentary, which I sent you April is sick from Netflix coming out about Jimmy Savile, so, you know, we're always, like, not half-joking, but it's a serious conversation. And you're right, there was bits in it that took me away from the movie, but I think, wholesomely, th this is a really good movie. I think it's a proper coming-of-age movie. It's a, an interesting take that this young kid can get himself onto this band, uh, within this band, on the tour bus. The, yeah, they're a mediocre band. They're not like, you know, Black Sabbath, uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin or <laughs> anything, like, even though they're all mentioned and it's within that world, isn't it? They're mm. trying to make a name for themselves. But I think it just shows how, e not easy, but how e you manipulate, like, someone like that, how a band becomes who they are because of articles because because you know these bands there and i'm like I, you know we both over the years you look at bands you go they're fucking rubbish but they've got sellout tours people love that music mm. it, music is subjective you you either love it or hate it whoever it is. but yeah I, I really like that i really like the process of going from town to town and these little bits of adventure going on and williams there you know billy getting his end away is it wrong? Now, now, I've got all my hands up here, Dave. There is a moral compass because it's like 14, 15, as I've said before, you know, Helga, Heidi, whatever her name is, was always my vanity, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> come, come here, young boy, you know, like that sort of thing, Dave. <laughs> you know, the, I will show you the ways, <laughs> the ninja, but, but, you know, it is wrong. That just yeah, that's like a, a really bad turn. That's just using the bloke's voice. But uh, but no, it's... <laughs> Going to break out the tomato juice next. No, but, but you're right. There is a moral compass which we all use. And they've got that is morally wrong. But as a kid, I probably would have jumped at it, Dave, literally, if that had an opportunity to come up. Oh, at 15, fucking dream. I'd be like, kill me now. 
Just, just, I'm, I'm beat. happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah beat. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, Chris, I I can't separate out. I can't say you know it's the fantastic writing of this movie is is what completely brought me in. I think part of it is just the music. Yes. So apparently, most films have a budget of you know around one one and a half million or something. This lot had three and a half million. Now Cameron Crowe was actually married at the time to um, oh what's her name the ex Heart band member uh, Nancy Wilson. So she used to be part of Heart, and basically they they wrote the songs together. And then there was uh, Peter Frampton as well. So, when Stillwater start up, and you've got your mate, uh, who you hated from Mallrats, Jason Lee, <laughs> playing uh, Jeff, and he belt, starts belting out the tunes, and I, I found out he modelled his, his moves and everything on the lead singer of Free. Oh, Paul uh, Rogers. I can't that remember what his name, name is, yeah. I just... Just remember seeing all the footage, you know, a bit of all right now and everything. And uh, but he starts up, and I'd literally thought I, th- I thought of free as soon as they started belting out that tune, and I thought, fucking hell! I think all of the music is great in this. Even got a bit of Zeppelin in there, and it was just so good. I think this all the way through the movie. I think it just uh, it adds almost like another subtext to the movie. You know, like a good score, like Star Wars, like the John Williams score just adds to the whole movie, you know, significantly. I think the the music score to the, or the music choices to this one really do as well. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. I think that with a, with a not an average movie, because it's not an average movie at all, but I think it elevates it a lot. I totally agree. But there was a show on a couple of years ago, I can't remember the bloody name, but it was a, based in the 70s around New York, you know, like the music industry and things like that. And I think, um, what's he called? The comedian was in it. The, the one who, Raymond, you know, that uh, used to be on Channel 4 in the morning, I think it's still on. It was Raymond, yeah. Raymond. Ray uh, Romano, he's in it, and he's one of the characters in it, and it's all about, like, uh, creating the music scene, different bands and things like that. It's a really, really good show. But when you, you take the layers back, it was a good show. But if you didn't have the track, Dave, of like the Black Sabbath, you know, the 70s stuff, Led Zepp, things like that, it'd have been nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you had T-Rex thrown in there and things like that. So there was loads of things going forward. He got cancelled in the end, which was such a shame. But me and Sam were saying, it was a great save. It was only a couple of years old. But but you're right, the, the soundtrack elevates it. And as they're moving from town to town and these these different interactions, and this is the whole thing with Penny Lane and, and Billy, uh, William, you know, that, that will they, won't they sort of thing, isn't there? And you can tell there's a connection, but she's after Ross, isn't she, all the time? And uh, it's just, She's just a groupie, and what makes me laugh is they elevate her, don't they? This Penny Lane is this big thing, but when Russ's girlfriend comes, Dave, that is one of the best scenes in the movie, the awkwardness of this groupie trying to get on the table because his missus is there, all the band are looking at each other, and everyone's like, she's with me, about oh six God, people yeah. go, she's with me, trying to cover her, and he's like, yeah, awkward the silence. <laughs> like, really? It was, everyone was rumbled at that point, but I thought that was brilliant, and I do think Kate Hudson's excellent in this, I really do. Yeah, she is good, and she plays that kind of, you know, I I don't give a shit kind of character, and don't expect anything, so you'll never be disappointed, but I thought in that scene, you know, she's been on this tour with the band for a year, you know, and then suddenly, she's the outcast, and, and pretending she's not anything to do with them and and so you know it, it was just incredibly uncomfortable and meanwhile you've got William there who's basically in love with her um but she's not really interested she wants Russell so it, it was it was really good that scene yeah it was it was I mean the mum plays such an integral part of it because it's sort of like getting a son home all the way through she's like you've kidnapped me give you know give me 
get my son back. I don't want this. You know, he's, he shouldn't be with you people. You corrupted him. And it's the way that, like, William then he's blagging the Rolling Stone magazine as well. He's putting on this deep voice and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you've got, think of uh, Philip Seymour, is it Seymour Hoffman, what he's called? That's right, yeah. Yeah, Lester yeah. Bangs is actually a real reporter and, he, and he's like a bit of a hero of his. And he, he says, they want this story. What am I going to do? And he says, like, this story about a middle of the road band do blah, blah, blah. And the guy from Rolling Stone's like, Tell me more. I might get you a thousand more words. I'll give you seven hundred dollars. So it's so it's it's all done over the phone, like like clever manipulation. They think he's this proper journalism major. When his mum's telling him off for not doing his washing, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know what wives are like." And he's like, "That's his mum." There was loads of little yeah. things going on. I mean, he got a bollocking as well when all them girls um, took advantage of him, sort of thing. You know, because he was like, "You know, you're taking this seriously." <laughs> yeah, just... disgusting. But <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's a really really good coming of age movie it was sort of like because i love stuff like uh, when i was a kid what's the one the wonder years and things like that dave you know and that had a great mm, that had yeah, a great yeah. soundtrack anyway joe cocker did the start of it and it was obviously it was like 50s and 60s but this for me felt very comfortable because i've watched the wonder years in the 90s and then watching something like this if this if i'd watched this first time around i think it probably would have been one of my favorite movies so uh, yeah really really enjoyable yeah no it's good and I was actually thinking, his mum's played off as this, like, bit of a tyrant. But, first of all, she's got a bit of double standards going on, hasn't she? So, it seems like Anita, you know, she's telling off, you know, because she's not conforming to, you know, what she believes to be ladylike. She's listening to this rock music. She's being corrupted. But when she hands over her album collection to William, don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, play him, play him if you want. And even though she's on the phone, you know, saying, where are you? Think about it, Chris. As a fucking parent, you'd be, you'd be doing your fucking nutting. You've got, you've got your 15-year-old kid touring around America with these rock stars, getting up to all sorts. I actually think she's quite fucking lenient, to be honest. I mean, you wouldn't mess with her. And <laughs> Russell properly went back with his uh, tail between his legs didn't he he's like when he gets on the phone and he's like yeah i'll sort this i'll sort this and then, and then he'd get strips torn off him but no I, I thought again i don't remember thinking this when i first watched it but watching it now as a parent you'd be going out of your mind with worry wouldn't you yeah, you would, and you're right. I mean, we are parents as well, so you, you would. You'd be sort of like, you'd bring my son or daughter home, but the kid's sort of like, fucking stop moaning. I'm having the time of my life, you know. But you're right, as a parent, you would. You'd be like, where is my child? It's not the age like we have now, where you can literally track them down to the meter, can't you, where they are, Dave, if you mm. really wanted to. If you've got the certain apps, you can do that. But it, it's very true, actually. And, and what what I did like was the dynamic of like Russ, Russ is like this moral, like you say, Jason Lee, what was funny at the start of the movie was they were playing out in the chipmunks and he is Dave out of having the chipmunks. That's right. So so when I started watching it, I thought, because I knew he was in it, comes up Jason, I'm like, is this, this, what's going on here? Is this, is this the chipmunks? (laughs) I've seen all of them. Jordan used to love them. So I'm like, is this the chipmunks? And, And then it's not, obviously, it's from like the late 60s and the chipmunks like the TV show and all that, but, yeah, he he's there. He's he is like the lead singer, but he's Russ. He's more about Russ's journey than anything, isn't it? So, like his character was supposed to be Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was on the production money yeah. and then bowed out. But the the, the scene with him jumping out the, on the swimming the swimming pool was for Brad Pitt and everything. So yeah. it's, it's just some crazy. Thing. I am a golden guard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying his final words: "I'm on drugs." <laughs> <laughs> And all the crowd's like, yeah, that was a fucking great scene. Man. It was a good scene because <laughs> you think he's hurt himself and then about 20 people dive in and it just ends up him being a pool party, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 honestly, I think even though what's the extended version, it's just a good movie. It's just a good wholesome movie. And the thing is in it as well, that Dennis Hope comes in it, the character's Dennis Hope, and I'm like, who is that? And at first I thought it was Mike Myers, I don't know why. And then looking again, I'm like, it's fucking Jimmy Fallon. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. He's obviously one of the biggest late night TV hosts in America. I always watch, I watch his outtake stuff or when there's a, there's a segment on, I watch stuff like that about with him because I always find him quite humorous. But yeah, straight away I was like, oh, yeah, it's Jimmy Fallon, but he doesn't look any different there than he does now. <laughs> I thought he looked the same. Just, just a 
bit of a wig. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they? Uh, you know, so I, I don't. I I feel like a better actor could have could have stolen that scene. To be honest. But if you think of someone like Alec Baldwin, I think if he comes in, he can absolutely throw his authority down. Whereas, I, I don't know, there's something that just fell short for me with Jimmy Fallon doing it. It just didn't really have the power that I felt it, it should have had. Because he was coming in there like Bertie Big Bollocks and basically saying, look, you guys are good, but you've got no fucking idea. Like... For a start, you're going to be doing all these gigs for free because you run out on on the gig. Even though basically, the the organisers electrocuted and nearly killed your guitarist. You know, but because you run, oh off, god, yeah, uh, you, you couldn't hold them to yeah. task. And did you know there, there was someone who actually uh, who did that? There's a guy called Les Harvey who played for the Stone Crows, and he grabbed the microphone and it wasn't oh, grounded. This was the year before it was set, so it was seventy two. So, uh, you know, again, it's not like the modern day of health and safety. That sort of shit did happen. Yeah, and Dave, we were in bands for years. I've had a few electric shocks off the microphones, but, you know, like just a Mm. little static or anything, nothing like horrendous like that. But I think there's a few things it cues up. The the plane ride they have as well, that's a little nod to Leonard Skinner as well, isn't it? Obviously, theirs was a terrible crash, but that's what that was about in the movie. They're vaguely based on that. Well, William starts singing yeah, Peggy yeah. Sue, doesn't he? <laughs> Buddy Holly. Oh, Buddy Holly. <laughs> was it him who did La Bamba was on that plane ride as well? I think it was, uh, was it Rick, uh, I think it, uh, Fat Waller. There was a few on that plane, it? weren't there, who, who died. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, great movie. And, and it all sort of falls apart for them when Penny Lane sort of leaves, don't you? This whole scene with, with the girlfriend and that, it, it's sort of a bit of a downward spiral for her. Uh, influence within the band and not not one of her own it's just because of what's happened and the band just starts becoming more successful but then William is getting sussed out isn't he that he's a kid I love when he goes to Rolling Stone Dave and he's a kid and they're all just looking at him like yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who's been writing these I mean, articles on this band and stuff I just think it's brilliant and when he finally gets Russ at his house and he's, he apologises only to his mum because he's the one who's had a bollocking off and that. I just think it. I just think the whole movie comes full circle and it, and it, it sort of the, the the payoff for the movie because at some point I was watching it going what what is the end game to this? What's going to happen? Is one of the band going to mm. take it like uh, you know they're going to take an overdose or they, are they going to be you know like seventy mile is the things like that? Is this is this going to be some tragedy? Uh, and there wasn't it, it just it ends really well still water get their rolling stone cover which he says yeah no it was, it was good i mean the the thing i found interesting so lester who played by yeah. philip seymour hoffman he'd warned william hadn't he he's like you know when you're hanging around with these bands don't think of them as your friends they're not your friends you know because you you're going to be writing about them critically but they're going to want to treat you like a friend you know, because they, they want you to write nice things about them. And I think he was he was getting bought into that world. And he was preparing, you know, Russell's being really evasive, isn't he? He's trying to avoid actually uh, doing this, this interview with him. So that's why he ends up hanging around the tour for much longer. It's only when, you know, he sees the band basically trade Penny Lane for, what was it? Yeah. A pack of beer or something like that. I was like, fucking hell. I mean, this girl who, like, worships your band and, like, has followed you around. You've all been shagging her, probably, for the last year. And you're, like, going to trade it with this other band for a, for a case of beer. It's fucking ridiculous. And so I think that, that turns him. And, you know, she takes it particularly badly, doesn't she? You know, she kind of thought she meant something to them. And so you get to this whole, uh, you know, turning point for William where he's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to expose all this shit that they said on the on the plane. Um, which I did appreciate that scene, to be honest. I thought it was pretty good. And you've got uh, people admitting to all sorts. I know you don't like uh, Jason Lee, but I think he plays when a character is fully exasperated yeah. <laughs> and it turns out he's been shagging uh, Russell's wife and uh, you know everyone's like arguing with each other I think he's a drummer or, or the bass player is like okay <laughs> you know I, I just, and then the pilot comes out it's alright you know we're, we're okay now but um, 
when he spills the beans, and then the band just fucking cut William's legs off. Just like, yeah, not that happened. This kid's just making all this shit up. It's like, oh, you bastards. You absolute bastards. But then Penny does the, a, a great trick, doesn't it? Doesn't she? So, you know, she says, says, meet me, Russell, essentially, at this address. He thinks he's going to meet her, but then he actually meets up with William. And then you could see these two had a, a strange relationship all the way through. And I think Brad Pitt playing this role would have actually worked. But apparently he just didn't get it. He said he just can't see himself doing it, so ended up dropping out. But I think Billy Crudup does a, a fantastic job, you know, and uh, he pulls us off the look, doesn't he, of that kind of 70s but good-looking guy. So, yeah, I, I think the way it finished off was just... Again, it's another one a little bit like last week, isn't it? It's just just a bit heartwarming. Just yeah. a good coming-of-age story. Yeah, 100%. So, something that we, we both wouldn't have picked this, Dave, I don't think. Uh, and, yeah, it turns out, and I'm sort of revealing my hand, but another one that I enjoyed, I absolutely want to tear strips out of it, but I didn't. I just found it, like, really interesting, really, because of the music. It's the music I grew up with as well, Dave. You know, we, my old man was just yeah. playing this sort of music on the loop. He still plays it now. So we grew up with this. You know, it's on my Spotify list, a lot of the music. So the Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, everything like that. You know, I mean, there wasn't any ACDC in there, but I love all that sort of music, you know, like proper heavy rock stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it just fit well for me. And I love the era of the 70s, like the, the cars, everything, and it's all in America. You're travelling around America as well. In the, in the same respects, a bit like Straight Story, where he's going around, they're going around America, aren't they, touring? You know, he's going from one place yeah. to the other, but it's still that sort of, there's a geo, geo, geographical pin within this movie at different points. So, yeah, honestly, yeah, really enjoyable movie for me. And, Chris, we can't go past a band movie without talking about band politics, surely. Fucking hell, go on, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> where do you want <laughs> to start? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit hole coming up <laughs> so no I was just going to say one of my favourite bits just a silly little bit in the movie is this bit with the t-shirts because you've got Russell and uh, you know Jason Lee's like uh, or Jeff he's saying about oh your looks are becoming a problem again I think if that's Brad Pitt it sort of lands a little bit better but you know, you basically got this T-shirt and you've got Russell, who's out on front. But Jeff reveals that, you know, there's they've had these conversations. Part of their whole mystique is that they're not commercial. They're not going to sell themselves out. You know, they're not like all these other bands. They're just in it for the fans. But actually, it's all just a fucking lie. It's like we discussed this. You know, I'd be the front man. You'd be the, the mysterious guitar player kind of thing. and And just... It was all formulaic. They were already thinking, how do we manufacture ourselves to to make us this thing that the fans think we are? Whereas actually we're just a bunch of blokes, you know, and we're, we're just dreaming about being rock stars as well. I, th- I thought that bit was, was really good, just from, a, you know, having been in bands and stuff <laughs> and you, you see how people yes. act on stage versus, you know, in the practice room and whatever. I just thought it was quite funny. Yeah, and you know that better than anyone. I mean, you were in a, a few more bands. I was only ever in one band, one, you know, from stopped. I tried a couple of other bands, tried out, got in and didn't like it, left. But I was only ever in one band consistently for like eight to ten years. Um, like you know that you've come across far more people than I have, Dave, in bands, and it, and it is true that the I don't mean that in a disrespectful <laughs> way. I don't mean like you know that sounds bad. That don't mean like it's a fucking band whore just fucking from band to band causing chaos. Honestly, yeah. you, you, no, you 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 were like the the monogamous band member. I was like Paris Hilton of yeah, bands, so I just hold myself out to lots of different bands. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'll, I'll quickly uh, backtrack on that statement. But but what I mean is like <laughs> like you know, recently I've been trying to sort of resurrect doing something again with a band. We, we've been started practicing, mm. and it's just completely fell off again. And I, I think we tried it for a few months. I mean, Dave, I, I need a, a good few months to get the voice back if I've still got it, if I even had it. But uh, it wasn't where 
where I expected myself to be with the singing. But there you go. But but no, even then, there was nothing untoward. There was no falling out. It was more honest. I, I've tried to be more honest with it because, you know me, I was a, I'm a people pleaser. I'm sort of like, yeah, all right, okay. Yeah, let's just do that. When really I'm like, I don't want to do that song. I hate it. I never would speak up. So I was just trying to sort of get that bit of honesty. And I think it worked against me, Dave. I think the honesty is sort of like, all oh, right, okay. You're letting me pick what I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've just picked stuff that I can sing, we can do as a band, and it's just fell off, Dave, and I don't think it's going to be resurrected. And I think, to be fair, I haven't even spoke to you about this because you've asked me a few times because you were in the band, that, that, like the original band, and, and I think it's just one of these things where I think, I'm going to say this again, but I think the pin's been put in it, Dave, and it's been put to bed now. I think um, I think it's done. But But watching this and watching the band stuff and we were nowhere near as successful as this but we would always go out and travel wouldn't we on a friday saturday we'd be traveling all around the northwest even further afield mm. for bloody 30 quid in your pocket after petrol if you were lucky you know what i mean you'd, you'd yeah. be drinking coke or water the guys who were drinking water because i couldn't afford, never had the the lifestyle the women in uh, like sam and that they had a better fucking lifestyle in the band than we did because because <laughs> they could get fucking pissed while we were traveling around but but on a smaller scale to this, and this is obviously, you know, a biopic in some respects, it's so relatable for me and you and anybody who's been in a band because you know there is fucking politics and shit going on in the background that you're not yeah. aware of. Even if it's conversations about you, you're never privy to them. It's just, that's just like, I mean, everyone's like that anyway in real life someone's going to have a fucking moan about it. you piss someone off it happens we all piss people off we all like oh get my fucking nerves in blah 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 but in a band it just seems to be heightened but but the biggest thing with a band which is so fake but also so good is how many times david we had like a bit of animosity in the band it never came to blows it never came to stand-up arguments but people are like fuck i hate the way he plays that or he sings that or he does that you get on stage and they would think we are the four or five greatest friends you've ever yeah. met. You know what I mean? And it's true, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you turn it on for that audience. You turn it on because you know what your job is. I mean, look at us now, you know, going behind the, 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 the curtain. Me and you are both suffering at the moment with, a, you know, the cold, everything, aren't we? We're both not, you know, thingy, but we're, we've, we're doing this because we love it. But in the same respect, once this is finished, me and you are going to go and collapse on the bed somewhere, Dave. Not together, by the way. Yeah. Just, just, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but we are going to be, you know, because you, you do do that. You turn that on. You, that persona is you, but you slightly elevate, even for the podcast. It's this is me and you. But I just love that human element and how they get that right that, that that like you said the revelation the plane's going down everyone's spewing the guts yeah i copped off with your missus i've done this it's, <laughs> it, it happens in bands doesn't it it's mad yeah 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 and i think the more i look back now the more i think how difficult it would be for a band just coming through and to stick together like you look at the rolling stones fuck me how are they still going there was even a line in here about, you know, making a joke about Mick Jagger's not going to be touring when he's 50. He's still fucking touring 70. now. 70, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's mad. But if you think it's like any relationship, and in, in, a, in your classic kind of two-guitar rock band, you, so you've got five people, all got their own minds, all got their own aspirations, all their creativity that gets input into that band but they're growing as people not just musicians and everything and for them to all stay in that relationship and on the same page for year after year after year it's no wonder that so many bands fall by the wayside it just seems to me that it's more likely that they're going to split up than they are going to be able to stay together. So you see lots of reunions now, don't you? Because basically the the financial rewards are just too high. You know, you're not getting the the royalties that you used to when people were buying LPs, you know, and uh, physical media. So, you know, touring is where the money's at. And so, you know, lots of them will put put everything to one side and then, you know, yeah, we're back together now. We've been you know, gone for 30 years, but we're back. Um, But yeah, again, that's possibly because they're in a different stage of their life. They're not trying to become the biggest band in the world, you know, and and see how they would do that differently. So yeah, it's it's all just, uh, it all comes back, you know, all these thoughts and everything and reminiscing about the band and everything all just comes from this movie. I just think it hits so many right notes it does david you're out about the rolling stones because most bands are like fucking triggers broom aren't they 
you've usually got a core of one or two people and the other three have already pissed off and either joined other bands or had yeah. enough. So you, you, you have to have that, like Oasis, isn't it? Oasis' original lineup changed, but as long as you had Noel and Liam, they were still Oasis. You know, the drummers changed, yeah. the, guitar, the uh, bass player, everything. They, they all changed, but ultimately it was about the Gallagher brothers. And you said that about our band, didn't you? Like, it's me and uh, AD. Like, we were the nucleus of that band, really. But if you've not got that, you've not got the band. And it carried on when we both left. But then we're trying to resonate. Yeah. It's done now. It's done. But it's just interesting that this brings it full circle. And this is where me and you met as friends, the band, the music. I know we bang on about it. Like we were some amazing rock stars. You know, we were just, we just enjoyed doing it. You know, you're a great bass player and stuff. I'm just a big gob at the front of the, the, the stage, Dave. And that, that's how it works. You know what I mean? And I've still carried on being a gobshite. So no, really, really. <laughs> you just don't need a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> And on that bombshell, should we get into our final review? Let's go. Yeah, great movie. Really, really enjoyed it. Again, one of them ones, a bit like Straight Story. Never would have picked it, but now I'm like, God, I wish I watched this the first time round. Really, really fun. Great soundtrack. I think there's some great coming of age stuff. The fact that William's only 15 years old and he blags his way into it. So much respect for me. I loved things like that. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's shot really well. The, the touring across America, say there's some proper dodgy stuff with the groupies, but like you said, were we tone deaf in 2000? I, 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 can't even think back to that then. We were only in our early 20s, so I'm not sure. But either way, there's some proper things that make you stand back and, and think and go, oh, that's a bit close to the bone. But doesn't take from the fact it's a great movie. So I'm going to put this, Dave. I'm going to send it to Pleasantville. I was going to put it in the middle. I think Pleasantville. I think it's just a, it is just a really, really good movie, and I, I did enjoy this. So thanks for picking this one, Dylan. Really, really good stuff. So what about yourself, Dave? Yeah, I don't think we're a million miles away. I think without the music elevating the the whole story, I think this probably uh, this probably would sit in the middle for me. But the music elevates it all, and I just think it's it's such a great soundtrack. It's such a great coming of age story about William, but also you've got these other characters with their own kind of arcs. Even you know. Penny Lane does have, you know, her own agency. She does go off to Morocco, you know, after the after the little episode with the uh, with the drugs and that. And you know, you got Russell, who turns out he's not a complete d bag, um, you know, and actually gives William the interview in the end, even though you know he's a bit of a shit for most of the movie, to be honest. And um, yeah, I just think it, it it was just really good, and I don't think. You know, again, it won't be another 20 years before I watch this one. Oh, good stuff, Dave. Good stuff. So where did you put it, Dave? Sorry. Sorry, I, th- I don't think I actually said <laughs> so, I think, so it's Pleasantville as well for me. <laughs> no, because we did that one. God, we nearly, did it nearly had to do another edit. Then. Another edit. We totally said, you know you're not giving a store in one of the movies we were killing yeah. over. But anyway, I thought it was me then. I, I thought, Brett, oh, Brett said it as well. Yeah, sorry, guy. Yeah, Brett like, said oh, fuck. <laughs> Right, good stuff. So, Dave, this is my pick this next week, and I've been umming and ahhing on what the heck I'm going to do. We were talking about this off podcast, like a movie will come into my head, or I'll see someone like, oh, I need to do that, and you forget. Now, one of the ones I got tweeted on the other day was uh, about 48 hours. I've said it loads of times, 48 hours, like one of my hidden gems, Eddie Murphy specials. Love the first one, but I've got an absolute love of the second one. I always love the sequels. Beverly Hills Cop's a great movie, but Beverly Hills Cop 2, I just think, is better because you know the characters, you're more familiar, they're more grounded. You don't need the backstory. They're just into what they're doing. So we're going to go, Dave, which is odd, and we'll probably do the, the original four hours at some point. We're going to go with the, the sequel, and we're going back to 1990, and this one's another 48 hours. You don't know what you do to me. Wanna kiss myself? God, and I got the feeling. Hey. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. It's 
been seven long years. Look, I got 48 hours to bring this guy in. I'm history. You want me to go out with you for another 48 hours? Now look, Reggie, this time I promise you it's going to be different. But Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte are back. Let me tell you something. I ain't working for you. I don't like you and I don't trust you. <laughs> Welcome back, Red. And they're making up for lost time. You got the same car, same clothes. That's the way I like it. I get attached to things, Reggie. Another 48 hours. Oh, you're in trouble with the law this time. Good. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Nick Nolte. I'm driving. I was wanting a chauffeur, Reggie. Another 48 hours. Now, of course, 1990 being the nexus of all your great movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, I've not seen this one for years, and I, I honestly can't really remember it. I think I remember the first one, but just not the second one. So, yeah, intrigued to go back and watch this one. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. And as always, guys, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. If you do want to support us a little bit more, get over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the VHS Strikes Back. If you want to follow us on social media, at the VHS Strikes Back. And if you want to email us, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. So today's roll call of honour, guys, is Timothy, Alec, Paul, Mark, Carl, Matt, Heath, Dylan. I'll get there in a sec, Dave, because my computer's been really slow. Kent Gustafson, Lucky Lulu Green, Herb, Jax, Math, Blake, and John Hammond. So thank you so much, guys, for supporting us past and present. We do appreciate everybody who supported the podcast. It's really good here. So, Dave, what are you going to take us out with today, my friend? Well, <laughs> you've got I'm tempted. My, fa- my favourite <laughs> line in this was, I am a golden god, but that's not how I feel, Chris, and I don't think you do either. So I'm just going to, as soon as we finish recording, curl up with a lem sip and feel sorry for myself. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got honey and lemon on the brain, Dave. I've been waiting. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a honey and lemon whiskey drinking god. There you go. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll speak to you next time. Bye. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked his ass. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, maybe you're crazy. You're crazy. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid guy. You're crazy. I'm 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 crazy. I